I'm so excited. You two are going to go on a little eat, pray, love retreat. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited. I literally can't wait. Next week. I'm so ready for just some serene surroundings, some yoga, some margaritas. Sounds like a dream. Is it a yoga retreat that you guys are going on? It's not a retreat, but we're staying in like these yoga hotels. So they have like complimentary yoga every morning. And then there's like meditation workshops you can do. What else do they have, Lynn? They have like crazy things. Lots of good food. Yes. Good food. Oh my gosh. Just like really like all these like wild wellness workshops and things. That mm-hmm. sounds incredible. It sounds like you guys are going to have so much fun. That's the plan. We're planning on it. <laughs> I love it. You're going to be so ready for like the end of the year holiday festivities together. Oh, yeah. Well, I literally was up all last night thinking about my 2021 planning. Oh, my gosh. I love it. You're ahead of the game. I'm not surprised. <laughs> I was just thinking of so many things that I'm excited to do in 2021. Linz, we haven't done our – oh, we, we sort of did our planning – Did we do our planning? No, I don't think so. Oh, okay. We need to do our 2021 planning. This is like my favorite time of year to do some planning. Yeah, November is always a good time for 2021 planning, or at least like the next year planning, because it's like you get a little time. You don't have to think about it during the holidays. And then you're ready as soon as the holidays are over to sort of like hit the ground running and you already have your plan in place. Well, I am so excited because if there's anyone who's interested in becoming a fashionista, a blogger, a content creator, Anna is absolutely incredible. She shared with us so many details about how to do it. If you're interested in being part of New York Fashion Week, Paris Fashion Week, Hong Kong Fashion Week, Milan Fashion Week, she is your girl. And she's such an incredible content creator. She does it in a way that's very easy to implement, even if you have something going on full-time. She talks about how to optimize it, how to use your time wisely, how to then really get the most out of the content that you've created through distribution. So I'm really excited for you all to jump into this episode. Let's get into it. Welcome everyone to the Flourish We Grow Together podcast. This is Laura DeFrancesco, founder and CEO of Flourish Coworking Space and Dean Street Law. Flourish is a fantastic community and resource for everyone digitally and also located here in Westchester, Pennsylvania. I'm here with my co-hosts, Lindsay and Casey. Hi everyone, it's Lindsay, the co-founder of Flourish. And I'm Casey, the community manager of Flourish. And we are so excited. We're here with Anna Casera. She's an incredible blogger from Jet Set with Anna. She also has a podcast. Anna, I'd love for you to introduce yourself to the community. Hi, everyone. I'm so excited to be on here today. Um, I am a content creator and blogger, as Laura mentioned. Um, I have Jet Set with Anna, and it was formerly Fashion Style Foodies, but um had a little bit of a glitch and lost my account to a hacker, but all is good now and back up and running under Jet Set with Anna. I love it. And you have your podcast too, which I was on. We'll link that in the show notes also. Can you share with everyone how you started to become a content creator and what that change was and transition was in your career path? Yeah, definitely. So I'm going to be dating myself now, so I don't know if you guys are ready for this. I'm gonna, it's going to seem like I'm old. Um, back when I was in college, I worked for a fashion PR company, and we did all of the presentations for Zara. And back then, Zara was just really starting to get off the ground, and Kate Middleton was wearing them all the time, so they needed somebody to really put together different slides of different uh, content creators, different individuals who were had high status or they were celebrity types to be in this presentation. And I was the one who was in charge of doing all that. And while I was doing this, I was finding girls like Man Repeller, Cashmere and Cupcakes, and they would be wearing Zara and they would be on the pages of Elle uh, online or Refinery29. And I was just looking at these girls like, I want to do that. That looks amazing. But 
it was really hard at the time to really get out there and have a blog because websites were expensive. Instagram was popular, but it wasn't really up and coming yet. And um, I wasn't really sure where to start. So that's kind of how this entire thing got me going and wanting to get within the space. I love it. And then can you share about how you transitioned to content creation full time? Yeah, so I was actually working um, at a company for a while and I wasn't doing anything that was within the realm of fashion or what I enjoyed doing. So I kind of just had a conversation with myself and realized that I needed something more fulfilling. And whether that was starting up a hobby or if it was getting a different job and putting myself out there, I had to really look inside myself and see what I wanted that to be. And at the time, even though I was looking for a job within the fashion space, it wasn't coming to me. So I decided that I was going to take my future in my own hands and I was going to start my fashion blog and... That's where it really just started coming together for me and things started taking off. Amazing. You've done such a great job with it. Oh, thank you. It's been it's been a journey, but it's been a very rewarding one. I love that. That's so interesting. And I'm curious when you decided to start your blog, like what did that look like? What do you know, like because I'm sure you had to like design the website and not and everything like that. So I'm curious what that process was like for you. It was a it was a process. I actually had a little bit of background since I went to school in marketing. And the company that I was working for at the time, while it was nothing to do with fashion, I was in charge of revamping their entire website and their brand. So I kind of started getting ideas of how I wanted my own brand to look. So I decided to use, um, it wasn't Squarespace. It was, um, oh my gosh, I'm getting a loss of words for the actual first website that I used. But um, it was an easy one to set up where you kind of just picked out your layout, then you added photos to it, and you would just write. So it was, oh, it was Blogspot, actually. And it was just really simple. And I don't even know if they have Blogspot anymore, to be honest with you. That's too funny. That's where I started my first blog also. Oh my gosh, no way. That is funny. I feel like it was really popular back in the day. Yeah, it really was. And it was easy. It was. It was super simple to really get off the ground and get started with. I feel like a lot of people were using it at the time. Mm -hmm. So you leveraged. That's amazing that you were able to leverage the experience that you had working for your company in the marketing to develop the website and branding to be able to brand yourself. Do you have any tips as someone who's probably redone their website several times on how to create a cohesive brand and image and also a really aesthetic and beautiful website that adds a lot of value? Yeah, I honestly recommend sitting down and really laying it all out for yourself, knowing what do you want your main points to be, understanding how you want your website to look. There's so many different looks that you can go in different directions that it can get overwhelming. But if you really just sit down, you look at different blogs that you might aspire to look like or aesthetics that you really want to have, it really comes down to you taking those key features and seeing how you want to implement it into your unique look. So cool. And can you share about how you monetized your content creation and blogging so that it could support you full time? I think that's something that a lot of aspirational bloggers have a lot of difficulty understanding and and implementing. Yeah, I, to be honest with you, once I started doing my blog, I realized that there was a void within the community where other girls were also doing blogs, but everyone was so separate. So everybody had their own thing, their own slice of the pie, and they didn't want to share with anybody how they were growing or what they were doing. So I decided to take it upon myself to create a community uh, at the time, and it was called Exclusively Social. I had about 100 girls, and we were different either bloggers, content creators, entrepreneurs, and I would explain to them how they could monetize themselves. And by doing this, I also was growing in the process. So a lot of brands, I got very lucky that since I leveraged myself in this way, a lot of brands are actually coming to me. And I put myself in a great position um, to monetize myself that way. And I think when someone's thinking of working with a brand, there's probably so many questions they have. Like, 
how much should I charge and how much time will this take and you know, how can I deliver and what are the expectations? Can you, do you have any guidelines or tips for working with brands to make it a really great synergy and beautiful collaboration? Yeah, I feel like there's so many different um, ways to go about this. So there's a lot of bloggers out there, a lot of content creators that I think take on too much, where they're, you're, portfolio is really your Instagram page or your blog, and you don't want to have everything be monetized. You really want to pick and choose what you're putting out there and what you're taking on. So when you're deciding to work with brands, keep that in mind, just because you don't want to look like a catalog. You want to be yourself. You want to have your own aesthetic. You want to have your own brand and your own vibe. And you don't want your page to end up looking like a penny saver. You know what I mean? So Having that said, you have to understand your worth as well. So if you think that your page is worth $100 a post, then that's your worth. And if a brand isn't willing to pay you that, maybe they're not the right brand for you. So I always tell people that you want to reach out to multiple brands and pitch yourself in multiple to a, a wide range of different brands of what you want. So let's say, for instance, it's a beverage that you're looking to promote on your page because you're really into health. You want to provide a bunch of like either 20 to 30 different brands that you're ready to pitch yourself to. Out of that 20 to 30, you're going to get at least one yes. So for every no, there's a yes out there. You just have to find the right brand that's right for you and knows your worth. I'm curious, what does a, like you said, you pitch yourself. What does a pitch look like? Like what is included when you pitch to a brand? Yeah, so it really depends on what you're pitching, right? So like I'm, I'll use a beverage example. So if you're a health enthusiast or you are really into different um, healthy lifestyles, it'll be easier to really pitch yourself in a way where you explain this is what you're doing, this is what you're all about, and you have a series coming up about a detox and you think that they would be great for that series. So you want to explain to them that you would provide them with X amount of content, you would... Um, provide them with either swipe ups or stories, or maybe you even not just have them on your Instagram page, but maybe you'll make a TikTok. Maybe you'll do a blog post. You have to explain to them why you're worth what you're asking for and what your audience is bringing to the table. I think it's super helpful too that you shared to pitch an opportunity and what you're bringing to the table, but not only that, but how many different brands you want to pitch because I think that some people might get a little bit dismayed if they pitch one or two or three brands and it doesn't work out. And do you have a certain way that you generally go about approaching brands? Do you look for an email? Do you send them a DM? Is it like an in-depth DM or like a sentence? And then how do you follow it up to bring it into actuality? Yeah, I definitely send out DMs. I think that that's a great way to really tell the brand that you're interested in them. And if they're interested in you, they'll provide you with an email that you can contact. So DMing is always a great way to really put a feeler out there and see where you stand with the brand and where the brand stands with you. So cool. And I know you've had speaking engagements on media kits and fashion week. Can you share about what you typically include in a media kit and how you can become involved in Paris Fashion Week or New York Fashion Week or Fashion Week across the world? Yeah, definitely. This is probably one of my favorite things to chat about. Um, So in a media kit, you really want to explain your audience and who you are. So for me, I would explain that I'm Anika Sarah. My page is Jet Set with Anna. You can find me on AnnikaSarah.com with my blog and break down my audience. So my audience is, let's say, 75% female. They're millennials. They're Gen Z. You want to get down to the nitty gritty because a brand is going to look at that. They, You don't want to pitch yourself to a brand and share your media kit with a brand who is primarily for boomers, right? If you have millennial and Gen Z and your aesthetic is very um, youthful, it's not going to work with their brand. It's not going to work with their vibe. So you want to make sure that you convey within your media kit everything that you are and everything that you have to offer to a brand. So you want to be able to link your Instagram page. You want to link 
all of your platforms, Pinterest, TikTok, Thriller, um, Thriller, sorry. <laughs> and you want to make sure that you even give a little bio about who you are and what you stand for. So this way the brand can get to know you. You could even add some images if you like. I always think it's fun to really put your own little vibe to your media kit. That way they really understand you as a person. And then you were asking about how to get into um, New York Fashion Week and Paris Fashion Week? Yes. Love those tips, by the way. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I think it's really, um, media kits are really helpful and they're useful, especially when you're you're sending your um, pitches out to brands. It just gives them a way to understand you as a person a little bit more. Absolutely. Yeah, and for New York Fashion Week, um, being within the industry, I met a lot of people and I've been blessed to be able to make a lot of connections and network and some of them were just surely by me putting myself out there and messaging a PR brand and saying, hi, I'm an influencer in New York City. I was wondering if you had any events coming up for upcoming New York Fashion Week. I would love to attend. And really just putting myself out there on the line. And if I got rejected, I got rejected. But most of the time, they were willing to meet me and have me come to one of their events. I did the same thing with um, Paris Fashion Week. So you can really use the same skills and the same mindset when you're applying it to different places. And it doesn't, it doesn't matter what it is. If you're just put yourself out there and you give a clear and concise answer of what you want, um, a lot of people are willing to really work with you and um, see what you have to offer. And are there any resources for someone who doesn't know anything about New York Fashion Week or Paris Fashion Week? Are there any resources that they can find to learn more about how to even what brands are having shows or anything like that? Yeah. So for New York Fashion Week, if you go to NewYorkFashionWeek.com, they give you a rundown of all the different shows that will be shown at New York Fashion Week. I feel like it was a lot simpler, probably like even a year or two ago, just because there wasn't the virus and a lot of people wanted to pack rooms. Nowadays, it might be a little bit harder to really just start emailing people off the bat like that. But I still say that you should just try it and see what comes of it. Interesting. Yeah. And how other than events and shows, how has COVID in, impacted your industry? Well, I haven't been able to fly anywhere. <laughs> yeah, and you're a jet setter. Yeah, I've um, enjoyed being able to go all over world, uh, all over the world the last couple of years. And um, it's been really hard. I know that sounds silly because there's just so much going on, but you get like a little ping and it's like, oh, I wish I was in Italy right now. Or I wish I was back in Paris and just experiencing the culture and being around the people. It, it has been such an amazing experience for me to, um, to have. And I see pictures of people doing all these different things. Even if they're old photos, I just get this little ping and it's like, oh, my heart's there and I want to be there so badly. But um, with COVID, I've taken the extra steps to really be home and be around the area and traveling still, but places that are closer to home. That's a great opportunity. And you've also used this time to just absolutely crush TikTok. You have done so incredible. When did you start using the platform and how did you go about learning how to be successful on it? Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, me and TikTok have had like this relationship, I feel like. I um I started using it when not a lot of people were on it. And I was telling people, get on TikTok. It's such a cool platform. You're going to love it. And now the people that I've told to get on it have like way more followers. I mean, I'm like, I told you, it's such a great platform. You feel so appreciated. <laughs> but um, it's been really fun. I started um, when I was in Paris, actually, with TikTok. And there is one TikTok of mine that I was on the ledge by the Eiffel Tower and I had balloons in my hand and it kind of had like a little Marilyn Monroe moment and the TikTok went absolutely viral and it kind of set off my whole page that just kept on like going and I um kept trying to do the same thing within the within TikTok where it was like showing travel videos and travel photos but um I realized that the real audience that I have is more into my editing videos. So once I realized that I kind of cultivated that and now all of my videos on TikTok are really about different ways to edit. 
That's so cool. And I'm, I'm curious because you are, you know, you started with your blog, you have Instagram as a travel blogger. I'm sure like you utilize Pinterest and everything. Can you talk about like your strategy a little bit with each platform? Yeah, definitely. I, um, I do have multiple platforms. I feel that it's really important to be diverse across the, across different platforms, especially because for me, I got hacked on my Instagram page. I had 40,000 followers and my page was hacked back in March and I lost everybody. I lost everything. And it was that moment that I realized I was so lucky to have different accounts and that I had my TikTok following. I had my following on Pinterest. I had um, a following on a second Instagram page. While it was small, it was like maybe a couple hundred, but it was still there. So I wasn't left in the dust. So I feel that's really important for other content creators and other bloggers to understand that you have to have different avenues and be really diverse just because it's not only a great way for your brand to be spread and for you to reach more people and a bigger audience. It's also really great as a safety net. And I also had a um, email list, which I was able to use that and kind of get the word out as well. So you really want to make sure that you're on these different platforms to spread awareness about your brand, but to also make sure that you're covering all your bases for yourself as well. I think that's super helpful information. Thank you so much for sharing that. I'm so sorry that happened. That's like absolutely terrible because, you know, you work so hard to create that account and that following. Um, I'm curious for like anyone wanting to start a blog in the 2020 space, do you have any tips for someone to position themselves in a way that like makes them stand out, um, and build like a genuine following? Yeah. I feel like since I restarted, I can like say this, I feel that it's, it's not, Instagram is not hard to grow. As long as you're true to yourself, you're true to your audience you can still grow on the platform. A lot of people feel that Instagram is dead or it's hard to be a blogger these days. That's just an excuse. You have to really look at your page and be sure that you're providing unique information. You're actually providing information and not just putting a little quote out there. You want to really give people material and something that they're coming back for. So for my page with Jet Set with Anna, people come back because they want to know where I'm going to next. They want to understand the IG worthy photo locations that I provide. They want to get my travel guides. There's something there that keeps people wanting to come back and keep seeing instead of saying, oh, okay, that's a cute photo. That's great. Next. So for people who are really trying to get into the space, I just want them to know that you can grow. It's totally possible. Just be unique and provide content. That's probably the most important thing. Actually provide something instead of just putting up a cute photo. I love that. And I feel like you have so much of that also like value to your page. Like you offer your presets and your, your travel guides and all that kind of stuff, which I think is so cool. Um, and I feel like your page is also really like photography focused. Like you're really good at photography. So I feel like that's cool that people can come back and, you know, look at you for those types of things. At what point did you want to start, um, like including like presets and travel guides and stuff like that? So for the presets, I honestly love editing. I find it to be something it's so fun. It's relaxing to me. I literally will get all my photos back and I will sit there at nighttime and I will start editing photos. And my husband's like, go to sleep. And I'm like, I can't. This is relaxing. It soothes my soul. <laughs> so I really enjoy the editing process. And once I started getting into it more, I realized that my presets were something that people were eyeing. They would say, oh, I love this preset. What preset are you using? How did you edit that photo? And it got me into the realm of wanting to share my presets with other people. So I decided to start selling my presets. I sell them. It's really affordable. I just do a pack and it's $5.99 just because I feel that some presets are really too expensive and they're overpriced. I like to just give people something that they can use and throw on their photo to just elevate the image. So I kind of just got started in the preset packs that way. And then with all of my travel guides, when I would go different places, I realized that there was so much information out there with where you should go take photos, but there wasn't something very 
cohesive about it. So I decided that I was going to put together my own travel guides that had IG worthy photo locations because I mean, you could take photos anywhere when you go to different locations, right? But they're not always the most aesthetic location. And I feel that as I've traveled to all these places, I've gained an eye for what is aesthetic and what isn't and where people would want their photos to be taken and where they really would be like, ah, that's okay place for a photo. So I like to provide a bunch of great places for people to go take their photos, to go eat, to go and stay. Because when I travel, I really like to immerse myself in the experience. So I like to have a pretty hotel. Maybe it's somewhere that's like not as expensive, but it's a beautiful place to stay. I like to go to a really cute cafe and have a really pretty latte. But I also want to provide people where they can get a coffee that tastes amazing for half the price. So I like to really provide all this information to people. And um, that's where the travel guides came into play. That's so amazing. And, and what I kind of see as a consistent theme for you is that you really run your blog like a business. I'm curious, like, do you have a mentality around that? Like, is that what you're trying to do? Or is it or does it just come naturally that like you try to make everything very seamless and very thought out? Well, I appreciate that, Lindsay, because it's definitely not intentional. It's something that I guess kind of just happened that way. Um, I don't really know where all of this is taking me. I'm kind of just along for the ride. Very cool. And then I'm also curious because you were saying um, when you're traveling in all these different places, how exactly like what does your day look like when you are traveling and blogging at the same time? Like how do you balance the two of that of really like getting to experience everything, but also like coming back to the fact that like, you're also there for business and like have to do certain things for the business of the blog. Well, if I told you that it was um, totally seamless, I'd be a complete liar. So it's, it's not seamless at all. Um, My poor husband, I drag him around everywhere with me, but he probably wouldn't have it any other way. Neither would I. Um, We just plan out our, so I spend weeks putting together an itinerary for us. And I make sure that I have down where we're going to be, what outfits I'm going to be wearing, how I'm going to be changing, um, what I need to take with me for for props. I, I have everything laid out and I have all the locations, all the coordinates and everything is planned down to a T. So that makes it a little bit easier. And then we do have off days where we're able to explore and enjoy as well. That's amazing. You're so organized. It's like, it's beautiful to hear that. I'm curious. Also, I meant to ask you this because like Kay said, your photos are absolutely stunning. They're like so beautiful. On top of that, like your presets make it even that much better. Um, But how do you get your photos? Because do you use like a tripod? Is your husband like husband of the year? And like, Instagram husband to a T. How exactly like do you get those awesome shots? So my husband is amazing. I've it's taken practice, it's taken work, but he honestly has learned how to take my photo and how I like it to be taken. So he takes all my photos for me. We just use my iPhone and um that's where we're at right now. We I used to use a camera. Um, but I feel that my iPhone can take better photos at the moment. So that's what I'm working with. That's so awesome. <laughs> and it's so funny because first off, I had a conversation just this week with someone or last week with someone who was asking me what she needed to start a blog. And she was talking about how she needed this camera and everything. And I was like, please, if you are going to buy something because you absolutely need something and your current iPhone doesn't work, I was just like, get a new version of the iPhone because it's so much easier to carry around. And the picture quality is so insanely good at this point. And also it's hilarious that your planning for trips is essentially what I do to plan for my photo shoots. I do the exact same thing. I have like an 80 page document of the locations, the inspiration, the vibe, all of the clothes, all of the props, all the things, but I can't even imagine I do those locally. <laughs> so I can't even imagine doing that on a trip. Yeah. It's It's a lot, but it's very rewarding as I'm doing it. I'm like, okay, this photo is going to be amazing. I have the perfect outfit. So I set the scene 
and I just make sure I have everything on a large scale. So it, it works out well in the end. And I would agree with you about people who think they need to have expensive equipment to start a blog. It's just not true. And a lot of people, I, this is me, I'm guilty of this. I thought I wanted to be a YouTuber back in the day. I was like, I'm going to be the next Nicole Guerrero or Carly Bible, and I'm going to be a YouTuber. That didn't happen. And I bought an expensive camera and it's, it still sits in my closet. And I just, I mean, you just don't need to do these things. You can totally do anything you want to do with your iPhone. It's, it's completely possible. I have to admit, me too. I just was so inspired by Whitney Simmons. And I think it was before Whitney Simmons, before I even knew about Whitney Simmons, probably honestly, in the beginning of Nicole and um, Carly, and there was a couple others, Lauren, I forget her name. Um, She's Australian who really inspired me with YouTube too. So I started a YouTube channel many years ago and also got the same thing, got a really nice camera that I hardly ever use. Um, but I have used quite a bit here and there. <laughs> so, you know, it served its purpose, but I think there's a um, bit of a misnomer out there about the cost that it needs, that you need to spend to start building your personal brand or your blog. Hey everyone, quick break to chat about the 60 Days to Launch Your Business course. We are so excited that we launched this course because we know that starting a business is a massive undertaking and there is essentially no rule books on how to do it right. We created this course to encompass everything you need to know in order to build a successful foundation to launch and grow your business. I literally wish that I had had this course when I started Dean Street Law, when I started Flourish, and I am so happy now that I have it, that I'm launching my books and personal brand. Yeah. So the 60 days to launch your business course is an information packed, I kid you not, information packed course also supplemented with a hundred plus page guide. We go over everything like tools, guidance, templates that we actually use in our businesses every day. Um, And there's homeworks for checkpoints along the way. And you'll come out of this course with an understanding of how to go from ideation to launch and form an actual legitimate business with a background and everything that you need to know from branding, marketing, legalities. All the things, literally all the things. I mean, there's so much content, 100 page guide, 16 audios, templates, homework, everything. It is literally what took us years and what hope we're hoping to save you. Like that was, uh, I mean, I have loved being an entrepreneur, but gathering all the information on how to do it has been a pain in the butt. And I just wish that I had had it all in one place so that it was just like a breath of fresh air. Being an entrepreneur is exciting and you should have it all at your fingertips. And that's what we wanted. You can find all the information on the course in the show notes. And we have a discount for y'all. Yeah, you can use the code WGT for We Grow Together for a 10% off and hope you enjoy it. Yeah, completely. I feel like people think that they need to have all this stuff and you really don't. You're able to do it with your your iPhone and with your laptop. Everything literally just comes together. If it's meant to be, I feel like it comes together in the end, no matter what you're given with. Mm -hmm. And then I really want to... Get, get back to like a couple of the platforms and your strategies and really get into some nitty gritty tactics and tips that people can start implementing. So I wanted to start with uh, TikTok. So I know that you said you found your niche, but when it comes to actually creating the content, are you consuming a lot of content, finding inspiration, spinning it, finding songs, or what does your process exactly look like? And how do you utilize the tools of the platform to have the most impact for the content that you create? Yeah, I actually, every time that I edit a photo, I screen record it. So that way I have content for TikTok and I've been actually using the same content or that I'm using on TikTok for reels. So it's actually been really nice to get two stones, (laughs) get two things with one stone or whatever, however the phrase is, I just like totally butchered that, but you know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. And then for the songs, I actually use whatever is trending on TikTok at the time. 
just because TikTok likes to push you if you use a popular song. And I find that that does help with the algorithm. So I don't really use too many of the effects within TikTok where you can. I used to back when I first started. Now I don't use as many effects. But um, I'll make the video with the screen recording that I have. I'll throw on a popular tune and I kind of just see what happens. And then in terms of hashtags, do you do a lot of hashtag resource or use any third-party apps to help you really optimize each post? For TikTok, I use whatever's trending. So even mm-hmm. if it doesn't go with my video, I'll still click it. Interesting. I do a lot of the I do a lot of the same. I use mostly relevant, but like tangentially. Like I posted one with my pageant dress that I used for reels yesterday on TikTok and I used a hashtag that was trending, but it was like DIY fall and it was DIY dress. So somewhat related, but not quite. <laughs> um, but I feel like it, it, hashtags are really hit or miss. You have to make sure that when you're using hashtags, this goes for any platform, that you're using not just what goes with the photo, but with your overall page. That way you're pushing yourself to the people in the audience that you want to reach. That's a great tip. And are there any other tools that you utilize or ha- any other ways that you spend your time on TikTok? For instance, are you going to engage with other pages or is it sort of a publish and let it go strategy? I feel like I was doing publish and let it go for a bit, but now I find myself engaging with other pages on the platform. And I do see that that's helping my page grow. And how do you do that? Do you find particular content creators or do you use hashtags? Um, Really, it's just going to the For You page and liking photos, commenting on photos, or not photos, sorry, um, videos, and engaging with different content creators on the platform. Interesting. And is that, I, and I think one thing that I want to pull out about your strategy that kind of went without saying, but to, to make it clear, so Anna's strategy is to really just record what's already happening. So it's already an extension of what she's already doing and multi-purposing it. So a way that somebody could do this who's not a content creator is, for instance, if you are working on a task in your business, let's say you're working on branding and you have three things that you do every single time for branding, you could walk people through that process for branding. Or if you have, are styling a shoot and you are, you know, just want to take somebody behind the scenes, there's so many different ways that you can really just capture what you're already doing in your life to create content seamlessly rather than having to come up with these lists of ideas of what to create, which you certainly could. And I sometimes am inspired to do, but it takes a lot of the stress out of it to just capture what you're already doing. Yeah, I completely agree with that because it can get very overwhelming creating content for TikTok, creating content for Instagram, creating content for Pinterest. If you're able to pile it together and make extensions of videos or content that you already have, I think it's a great way to leverage other platforms. Mm -hmm. And then I also liked how you shared that you repurpose it. So you use Reels and TikToks, that same content is repurposed for different audiences. And then ultimately you're recording screenshots of you editing a photo that presumably will then go up onto Pinterest or Instagram. So it's really repurposing that one act in multiple different ways. Exactly. That's exactly what it is. And then resharing it too, because I think that distribution is something that you do really well. I saw that you have your TikToks on or your reels on your Pinterest. Yeah, it's a great way to drive traffic. So if you're sharing your reels or your TikToks on Pinterest, you're just driving traffic back to your TikTok or back to your Instagram page. Okay, so for when you share it on there, rather than linking it to an ebook, for instance, you link it back to the Instagram or the TikTok? Yep. Okay, no, I'm cool. just driving the traffic. I feel like a lot of people miss that step. They're, they put it up, but Pinterest is very um, clickable content. So people don't want a dead end. You want to always make sure that you're relating it back to something else. That's great tip. And can you share more about how you use the Pinterest platform? 
Oh, yeah. Um, Pinterest has been fun lately. I They started a new uh, feature called Pin Stories. Have you heard of it? No, I haven't. Oh, my gosh. Tell me about it. Yeah, it's really fun, actually. You can combine different videos and different photos together to tell a story. So I really enjoyed that. I made my own kind of like aesthetic stories that I found and put together. And I just feel that people enjoy that a lot. So I'll do French countryside and I'll put together like a whole story of it with different photos. So those seem to do really well. But people just love stories and they love seeing different things put together instead of just having one image and that's Mm -hmm. it. And then can you share more about how you how else you spend your time on the platform? Yeah, so with um, Pinterest, I'll also I make sure that I pin everything. So I'll repin my Instagram for the day. I'll repin my TikTok for the day. I'll repin my reels that I put up that day. I'll repin my Triller video that I have up. You just want to make sure that you're providing a lot of content, and especially because Pinterest your content stays live for a hundred days, which is something that I feel like people don't realize. Instagram, your content doesn't even reach a hundred percent of your audience. So let that sink in that your content actually reaches your audience on Pinterest and then some for a hundred days. Wow. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah, no, it's crazy. And I feel like a lot of people don't understand that, but the content is continuously being pushed out to your audience. And it stays there for 100 days. I say, I'm going to, need to keep on repeating it because I feel like no one understands that or they don't realize that. I, I had no idea. I never knew that. Yeah, it's really amazing. I only knew that because actually when I had my community exclusively social, we had a woman from Pinterest come and actually talk to the community. And she was explaining all these different tidbits about Pinterest to us, which was really fascinating. Amazing. And then same thing for Pinterest. Do you do engagement on Pinterest as well? I engage back with people who engage with me on Pinterest. I've realized that now more people will comment on my photo or they'll like my photo. So if they do do that or they write to me, I will try and respond to them. Mm -hmm. And through that conversation, you had mentioned um, twice now, a new platform, Triller, which I don't think that most people know about. Can you share what that platform is, what it operates like, and any tips that you have? I'm always looking for new platforms. And people always think that I'm crazy for spreading myself out this much, but I really don't care because you never know what's going to come out of it, right? So I noticed that really big people on TikTok left the platform because TikTok, I guess we're not really sure of where the future of it is going to kind of land with everything going on surrounding it. But Triller is where these mega TikTok stars went to. So I decided, well, if it's good enough for Charlie, it's good enough for me. So I got myself on there and I've been trying to keep up and add videos um, at least a few times a week. That's so cool. That's too funny because I had actually seen her post to that on um, last night I was just going through her feed. I like to like, I don't generally check TikTok to consume except for mm-hmm. probably like once a month or so. And I, which that healthy because you could get in a TikTok hole real easily. <laughs> you, <can. laughs> you really can. But I saw that and it's hard because sometimes they do ads. Um, but it's hard to know when something's an ad versus when something is what somebody's actually doing. So it's just a social video platform, very much like Reels or uh, TikTok. Yeah, it's the same concept. Interesting. And it already has 148,000 ratings on the app platform. Yeah, I. Um, it's funny though, because the audience is completely different though from TikTok. I feel like my audience on TikTok is really into my editing where I threw up an editing video on Triller and no one gave a crap about it. They're more into seeing me in my outfits or um, my travel experiences. Interesting. You always customize it to your audience. Yeah. I make sure that I'm providing the content that they want to see and they kind of dictate that. You know, So if they want more editing videos on one platform, that's what I'm going to be giving them. Because why would I waste my time and throw something on there that they're not going to pay attention to? Mm-hmm. It's just a waste of my time and a waste of their view. Mm-hmm. Can I? And how long ago did you start on Triller? 
It's only been a couple of months. And can I ask how has your account grown on there? So it's it's funny. Triller, it was hard to get growing. There's not that many. I'm going to go on here now and kind of see is why I'm talking to you. There's not as many followers on Triller, but the views are really high. So I guess it just really depends. I think that Triller is more about the views and um, how many views you can get versus how many people are really stick around and follow. Interesting. Well, I'm going to have to check that out. And do you just discover these from watching other content creators or is there a method to how you discover new platforms? I have to say, I cannot take credit for this. Uh, My husband is really into learning about different things that are going on and he's relays this information to me and he's like, you should get on Triller. And I'm like, what the hell is Triller? He's like, Charlie's on Triller. Get on Triller. I'm like, all right, I'll get on Triller. No problem. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's really like, that's how the conversation pretty much went down. And for those who, uh, who might not be as into TikTok and know much about Charlie. So Charlie D'Amelio is just an amazing example of how early starters and really, like you said, catering to your audience can really grow quickly in today's age of social media. So Charlie D'Amelio started a year ago on on TikTok, she was virtually unknown, but she's a great dancer. So she had a great fit for the primary content on TikTok. And her following has grown to over 92 million followers on TikTok. And although Instagram and the conversion from TikTok to Instagram and the audiences are different. Let me check real quick. But she had an insane amount, 32.9 million followers followed from TikTok, presumably to Instagram or found her on Instagram, which is insane. That is more than most celebrities. Right. And that's why I feel like celebrities got so obsessed with these TikTok stars. I mean, even... Courtney Kardashian wanted to hang out with Addison Rae, which is a huge TikTok star. And she just like, you know, pushed her farther to the top as well. So it's funny how celebrities are using TikTok stars to leverage their fame as well. Mm -hmm. And truly, it comes a little bit of understanding audience dynamics on these platforms too, because the audiences for these TikTok stars are much younger demographics and much younger demographics have significantly higher engagement on social media platforms. Even if you see someone in high school or college on Instagram, they will far outpace me in terms of engagement if they even if they have like a thousand followers or a couple hundred followers because the younger generations are just so much more engaged on social platforms because it's their native environment that they grew up on. Right. And it's just, I mean, it's their pastime as well. Yeah. They're just a lot younger and they don't they're in school at this time, right? It's like mostly Gen Z. So it's kind of like their hobby. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Um pretty So circling back to something that a lot more people use, Instagram, I know that you said that it's a lot easier than a lot of people think to grow on Instagram. Can you share what that is? Is that organic growth for you? Do you do any paid advertising? And, you know, what is it do you think that you're doing? What are your best practices to consistently grow on Instagram aside from what you said, which is add value and good content? Yeah, it's all organic. Um, I stay away from, I would recommend this to anybody to stay away from giveaways. They will kill your account. I recommend to everybody to stay away from engagement pods. They will also kill your account. Um, You want to just make sure that everything you're doing on the platform is genuine and organic. Because once you start doing things that aren't, even if it's just a group of girls who have the same niche and they're liking each other's photos. It's not organic. They didn't find you out of nowhere. They're not following you because they want to know what you're wearing or they want to buy a product that you're sharing with them. They're just there for the like and for you to like them back. So that's not organic. Um, And that does hurt your platform at the end of the day. There's so much that people don't realize that they have to really, it's just so important to be true to yourself, be true to the platform and to 
keep everything as authentic as possible. Mm -hmm. I like that. And do you spend any time doing engagement to help grow your audience? I, yeah. So I engage with my audience all day long, really. But the bulk of the engagement that I do, it's 15 minutes before I post and 15 minutes after I post. So I'm putting out there my name so they can see it on their stories. I am putting a comment. So maybe they're like, oh, let me go and check out her post that she put up today. I'm liking something. So it just reiterates, oh, hey, did I look at Anna's page today? Let me go check it out and see what she did. So that's what I really like to do to engage with people. It's really that bulk. So it's 15 minutes before and 15 minutes after. But I still like to go in throughout the day, watch people's stories, react to it, um, tell them what I'm liking on their page and commenting and just being true to myself and to them. I also wanted to ask, because you mentioned that you got hacked, I kind of want to hear the story behind what happened and how, like, how did you find out what happened? What did you do? Oh, that fun, fun day. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I, it was 530 in the morning. I kind of remember it like it was yesterday. I woke up and usually my first thing to do where I'm not proud of this, but my first thing to do is to pick up my phone and check out my Instagram page. And I realized that I was logged out. I was like, that's odd. How did I get logged out? And I tried to log back in. It was like, no, you can't get into the page. And I was like, that's weird. I go to my email and it says, Instagram sent you an email that you changed your email from X, Y, and Z to ABC. I'm like, um, no, I never did that. Let me click on the link that says to click here if this wasn't you. And Instagram sent me, you know, a little note so sweetly saying, oh, you're too late. You can't um, reverse this action. Like, what do you mean I can't reverse this action? That wasn't me, Instagram. Um, So I spent the next entire day trying to get my account back and trying to contact Instagram, trying to contact people that I knew from Facebook and people that I was friends with on Instagram that might have had some pull with the company. Nothing helped. Nothing. There there was no one that could help me with anything. Even though I got a hold of Facebook, they told me, we're sorry, but you have to start over. And I just thought that everything was kind of falling apart around me because everything that I built, all of my followers, all of the brands that I cultivated, everything was gone. And I decided that I could sit there and I could feel sorry for myself and I could give up or I realized that I couldn't imagine myself not doing this and not being a content creator. So I picked myself up the very next day and I got on um, my second page and I started over. Oh, that's so crazy. And honestly, like, I feel like no one talks about how bad Instagram's customer service is because... It is literally so bad. I've messaged them. And obviously what you were dealing with is so, that is like one, it's traumatic because you really do spend a lot of time and energy putting, putting all of that into it and something that you're really proud of. And then it kind of just gets taken. So like, I can't even imagine, but like I go through really small issues and I'm like, Hey, like this won't integrate or like, hi, don't know why, but this isn't working. And I, I've never (laughs) heard a response back. Yeah, they're the worst. They really are. And I mean, I like begged them. I like messaged them. And I was like, please, like, can you help me? I'm trying to find this purple screen because everyone keeps saying there's a purple screen where you have to like write into Instagram and tell them that you like got hacked and then you have to hold a picture up with your Instagram name on it. And that's the way they can like fix it or whatever. Apparently they got rid of that. So whoever got hacked and they're trying to look for the purple screen, don't waste your time. It's not there. It's not available anymore. Um, So they never, they didn't come through for me at all. And um, they did never wrote me back to the multiple emails that I sent them. So they really just, they didn't care. It's such a shame that like such a huge company like that, I guess that they're just too cool for customer service if there's such a thing. But, um, but I do think it's really interesting because it feels like you've taken something that's like super sad And kind of flipped it into an opportunity. And now on your platform, I've seen that you talk about like growth strategies and you like firsthand know 
and have experienced this twice over now. Mm -hmm. So I feel like it's really amazing that you've taken this and it's been, I'm sure that it was such a struggle and then actually kind of used it as a part of your story. Thank you. Yeah, I really just want to share with everybody how they can really grow on the platform that it's not a dead platform. And there's so much out there that so many people have to offer, but they feel that they can't do it. And they completely can. They can get on Instagram, they can get on TikTok, they can be on Pinterest, and they can share what they have to offer with the world. I love that. And you're such a testament to that too. Well, thank you. I would love to know what your favorite place you've ever traveled is. I feel like we have to ask you that. Oh my gosh. I have so many places that I absolutely love. I have to say Italy, the Amalfi Coast was amazing. It was so beautiful. And if I could go back today, I would. It was it was amazing. Oh, that sounds incredible. And Casey loves Italy as well. Uh, it's just so amazing. I think the food there was great. The coffee was amazing. I was a I loved Paris, but I was a little disappointed that their coffee wasn't what I expected it to be after being in Italy. Oh my god, yeah. I studied there um, in school for a semester, and it literally just has such a special place in my heart. I love everything about the culture, and like even like my parents came to visit me, and they're like, literally, just everything is better in Italy. It's more beautiful. Everything tastes better. It's just like such a vibrant culture, and it's just a special place. So I love that. That's your favorite. That that's awesome. Oh, that's so fun that you got to go to school there. That sounds like an amazing experience in itself. Oh my gosh, yes. It was. It definitely was. I'm super grateful for the opportunity. We also always ask all of our guests um, if there's like a podcast or a resource you recommend, if there's like a book that you really love, um, and then what your um, all your information is so everyone can find you. So podcast-wise, I love pop culture. And I'm obsessed with um, Juicy Scoop podcast by Heather McDonald. Have you guys ever listened to that? No, I've never heard of it. It's so good. I love Heather McDonald from like her Chelsea Handler days. And um, she has a really great podcast where she gives you the juicy scoop on so many different things. It's like, it's a lot of pop culture, but she also talks about juicy crimes and stuff like that. It's good. It's a really good one to get into. So cool. And where can everybody find you? You can find me on Instagram with on Jet Set with Anna. I'm also on TikTok, Triller, Pinterest uh, under my name, Anna Casera, and AnnaCasera.com is my blog. And amazing. And you can also find her podcast, So This Is 30, on all the podcast platforms. We have a chat that we had all about money. And thank you so much. Please, everyone, go follow all the links. We'll have them linked in the show notes. Give her some love. Thank her so much. And join me on Triller because I just downloaded the app. (laughs) I'll follow you in a minute. (laughs) Thanks, Anna. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you so much, guys, for having me. It was such a fun experience. Thank you, Anna. Bye. So, gals, what was your favorite part of the episode? I liked hearing about how she plans her trips. Like, I loved when she broke down um, that, like, she literally has, like, a spreadsheet with, like, um, like their off days, their on days, what she's wearing, where they're going to take the photo, and, like, how she literally just breaks it down to, like, such the nitty-gritty. I thought that that was really cool to just see, like, how much goes behind, like, one of her travel photos. That was so good. And it's crazy because it's so in line with how I do my own photo shoots that are super, super organized. But we one thing that we didn't get to ask that I kind of wish that we had is how she packs. Because, I mean, me packing for a photo shoot like at Flourish means that I have to pack up my whole truck. I have a suitcase just for hair, makeup, another suitcase for shoes, another like three bags for clothes and all the necessities that you need, let alone props. Seriously, so much kudos to her. I need to know how she packs. I agree. She really has a system to it, which I think was really awesome. And just hearing how she organizes everything throughout the podcast was really cool. And I loved when she touched on her strategy for each platform because she really is on so many different platforms, like giving it 110%. And you guys, I literally posted on Triller right after our podcast episode. And 
I already have now, granted, this is not many, but I already have 170 views on the video and I have zero followers. So there's definitely something to it. I'm excited to learn about this. I saw there's a bunch of celebrities on it already. So I loved that she gave us the info on where to go for our next platform. James Charles is on there. Of course, we talked Charlie and Dixie D'Amelio are on there as well. I saw, I think, Travis. Uh, no, I have to figure it out. There's a bunch of celebrities, though, on there. Gary V's on there. So excited for you guys to check it out. Thank you all so much for tuning into this podcast. Thanks, everyone. See you on the next one. guys we have literally the most exciting announcement for you guys I feel like I'm about to like jump up and down I'm so excited (laughs) me too this has been such a long time coming we worked on this over the pandemic I'm so excited we can finally announce it and release it to everyone drum roll drum roll drum roll please We are launching the 60 Days to Launch Your Business course. It is so epic, so juicy. Everything that I wish that I had had when I was starting Dean Street Law, when I was starting Flourish, we compiled years of experience into this. And as you guys know, I counsel hundreds of businesses. I also really dove into those experiences too. And put it all in this nice, beautiful package so that you guys know what to do as you're starting a business. Yeah. And the course has actually already been launched. It's live right now. You guys can take it, um, enjoy it. And ultimately wanted to create this. And I love case. You said this before that starting a business is such a huge undertaking and there's really no how to's rule books anything like that. So we wanted to create a course that had everything in it that you need to know to get your business up running and build the successful foundation that you need in order to grow your business. Absolutely. It should be stress-free. It should be fun. It should be something that you're excited about and feel confident about because you know you have your footing in the right place. There's so many people that this works for. If you're thinking that you want to start a business in five years, in one year, it's super really helpful because it breaks down all the steps so you can start planning for it. And I even talk in the course about how some of these steps I had started planning years before I even opened the business because they were ideas ruminating in my head. So it really starts to get you ready for that next step. And if you are ready for that next step, this is perfect. It outlines absolutely everything. It breaks it down into modules so it's super easy to digest. And it really puts a lot of thought into what needs to come first and where to put your energy and focus so that you're efficient and you're just knocking out of the park. But honestly, it's also amazing for seasoned entrepreneurs. If you already have your business up and running, I'm actually going to be going back through the course myself for Dean Street Law because I started it without it. And it just is a really good way for you to focus back on all the fundamentals of your business and see how can I level up? How can I make this better? How can I make the next year even more strategic and seamless and feel that much more epic and amazing? You know that we love to provide resources for epic entrepreneurs, soulful companies. I'm just so excited for you to have this in your hands. Me too. And this is seriously such an incredible resource. There's so much amazing information. We have the guide that you get when you take the course. It includes 16 audio recordings. The guide is over 100 pages. Within the guide, we have templates for things that we use for Dean Street Law and Flourish. Um, And it also includes homework. So there are little checkpoints throughout when you're taking the course so that you can really be super involved in learning and getting as much as you can out of it, which is so important. We're just so excited. And ultimately coming out of this course, you're going to gain an understanding of how to go exactly from ideation to form a legitimate business, 
Um, and you'll get a background from everything from like branding to marketing, legalities, tech problem and solution interviews. We go through seriously everything in this course. And I'm so excited to offer this to you guys because it's one of the number one questions that we get at Flourish is either like, will you have an event on starting a business or will you have an event on like the foundations of business or do you guys offer coaching, all that good stuff. So this is essentially like if you guys are solopreneurs, like this is like coaching with us. So I'm excited too, because I feel like being a solopreneur is one, it's kind of overwhelming because you never really know like where's the starting point. So this will lead you through step-by-step on how to actually form your business and when to do what. And then also it can be like kind of lonely too. So you have information and guidance from all three of us. So we're like your little support system. And I'm just excited for you guys to check this out and to start your business, to grow your business, and honestly, just to become even that much more successful. Yay, I can't wait. And let us know if there are any other courses that you'd like. We have a couple more that are releasing soon. We have two in progress, one for social media and one for time management. You guys know I'm obsessed with that. So DM us at Flourish Westchester or if there are any other courses or other resources you guys want us to put together. We always like to make sure that we're providing resources that you guys want. Thank you guys so, so much for supporting us. It means the world to us. Bye, guys. Thanks, guys. Dean Street Law is our sister company. I'm Laura Francesco, founder and CEO of Dean Street Law. It's a corporate law firm that helps you with everything corporate law and has tons of free resources and guides on our website that you can find everything from protecting your company from liability, forming a startup, and the different types of entities, all the way to intellectual property and social media. So if you'd like some free information on the legal aspects of your business, head over to deanstreetlaw.com, and you can also find us on Instagram at Dean Street Law. We provide a lot of free information and always feel free to reach out to us if you have any questions. Thank you everybody for joining us this week. Thank you.